Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. People buy houses every day. No big deal to the bank. But buying my first home? That was a big deal to me. That's why I got my mortgage from DCU. They were with me every step of the way. I was able to get a great rate, and they'll service my loan for as long as I have it. Plus, they let me manage my mortgage online, anytime. My mortgage from DCU was the first step, and now I'm home. What will DCU mean to you? Insured by NCUA, NMLS number 466914, equal housing lender, membership required. Visit dcu.org. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. And hello, you are listening to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and WorcesterMag.com and Unity Radio 97.9 FM. My name is Victor Infante. I'm the entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and the content editor for Worcester Magazine. And I am joined in the studio today, not as I normally am by Bill Shaner or Richard Duckett, but by our new friends from the city, old friends, actually. I've known, I've known both of you for quite some time now. Uh, from the City Cultural Development Office, Erin Williams and Nikki Erskine. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. And we're here today to talk to talk about um, the cover, the story that's on the cover of this week's Worcester Magazine, the the <laughs> poets. I'm sorry, I'm being goofy today. The um, new poets and laureate program. And um, I sat down for about an hour and a half with um, our new poets laureate Nikki Juan Matos and. Um, Amina Muhammad. I think I am being even shoddier than usual on this thing. Um, and they're really intense and really fascinating people. Um, but I really, and it's like, I, and I very much enjoy talking to them. I find them both to be incredibly impressive. I mean, incredibly impressive. And I think that shows in the story. Um, so I think the, let's start, the place to start is why are we doing this now? Why, 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 is, why is the call for a poet laureate? Why is this the time for it? Well, you've probably heard about Worcester's cultural plan that we've been working on for the past year and a half. Indeed. And part of the initiative of the cultural plan is to give voice to everyone in the city of Worcester. Be a resident, Excellent. be it an artist who's coming into the city, be it a visitor, Everyone needs to be recognized as a creative person. Mm. And what better way than to celebrate through our stories? Well, excellent. Um, now, of course, Juan Matos, um, fantastic poet. Um, lovely man. Very, very impressive man. He had a great, and with a great personal story, which we won't get too much into here now. Um, I mean, Muhammad, she's um, out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, she was, she was, I mean, that was an incredibly impressive young woman. I mean, she's got a presence about her. Amina has a power. Yeah. And I think she's coming into her own. And part of this initiative is allowing her or giving her the wings <laughs> to share her story. And as your article pointed out, 
giving voice to other young people to be able to share their experiences as growing up in Worcester. Now, of course, Worcester has a long history with poetry. Everybody likes to well, point to Elizabeth Bishop or um, Stanley Kunitz or Charles Olson or Frank O'Hara, who's actually Grafton, but we won't quibble. <laughs> and um, But yeah, so there's a long history of poetry here. Um, and a long history of poetry readings in town. And we were talking earlier, I actually consider right now to be kind of low ebb mm-hmm. because there's only maybe two weekly readings in the city proper and four or five monthly readings in the city proper. For a lot of towns, that would be big. But for Worcester, that's actually <laughs> actually kind of low. Um, it, it, these things come in ebbs and flows, of mm-hmm. course. Um, what does a poet laureate add to this, add to the mix? What, instead of just say supporting a bunch of poets and poetry readings, why, what is the difference that a poet laureate makes? A poet laureate gives a sense of presence Mm. and a sense of place through storytelling. And we often think of poetry as something that's academic or Mm -hmm. that might be other than us. But when you think of the rich tradition of poetry, it goes back in time. Through every period, there's always been storytelling in one form or another. Mm. And poetry is an enunciation, a distillation of that storytelling. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the process of – because there was an application process and, and such. Now, how did, how did you go about deciding that these were your poets? Well, we had a panel well, of yes. jurors to, who would review the work blindly mm-hmm. at first so that they would get the sense of the language and the, the spirit of the message okay. from the poetry. And then we had a, a certain set of criteria for them to be reviewing. So every submission went through that process and was evaluated and uh, you know, little check marks next to where they met what was was definitely uh, needed mm-hmm. to complete the application, and then what went above and beyond? What resonated for those jurors when they read that the, the poetry? Now, with some of those some of those check marks, what what were they looking for on those? What were some of the fa- some of the qualities that you were looking for that in the poet laureate? Well, first and foremost, just like the cultural plan, rather than saying. It's good enough. We say, is it good enough for Worcester? Okay. So it's a mark of excellence, creative excellence, and a mark of engagement. The ability for this poet laureate to have a voice that will resonate not only within an academic community, but a community that's out in the streets of Worcester. Okay. All right. Now, there's so um, I think, and there's one point that I did want to. Uh, address this. Originally, when I wrote the first story in this situation, on this um, Poets Laureate process, I reported and was informed that applicants had to be from the city of Worcester, um, Juan Matos. While he's been a Worcester public schools teacher for 32 years, actually lives just outside the city a bit. So um, was there a change or was it just decided that the that rule's evolved. still shifting. It that evolved. evolved in that in the same way that we look with the Worcester Arts Council, either that you live and or work within the city okay. of Worcester. That resonated for us because 
the work of Wands was very strong. We didn't even notice that he was outside of the city proper, especially with his 20 plus years of working in the Worcester Public Schools. Oh, yeah. No, 32 uh, is not inconsiderable. Right. Yeah, no, no. That's not a slight by any means, but it was something that has come up because, sure. you know, we mm-hmm. reported it one way and obviously, you know, things change. And that's the thing. And I think about the, especially when the first time you do something like this, um, processes evolve. You don't have a perfect, you start off with an idea of how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And then while you're in the middle of it, mm-hmm. it changes. And, you know, sometimes it's like people, I think, outside of any process think, that the process you that you are have to rule monger everything <laughs> that once you decide something you're going to stay that way and in real life you got to shift and adjust. Well, that shifting and adjusting was before the criteria was actually released. Oh, so well, there, if you look at the application itself, okay. it doesn't stipulate that you need to be a resident. I, of yeah, Worcester. I actually I think we did the first interview even before that was released, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. All right, so there we go. So. Please stop emailing me out there. <laughs> I know, I know. We have settled the matter. Um, let's talk a little bit about the cultural plan, which I've only briefly had a chance to really glance at, but you've got a copy of it right here. What's catch our readers up to speed? What is the goal with the cultural plan? I'm glad you asked that, Victor. We just happened to carry this around and sleep with it, actually, at night. Waiting for people to talk about it? Ask we you dream about it. We Excellent. Well, we are. this it. is the podcast for you. <laughs> we are a small, shoddy podcast, but we are here for this question. <laughs> well, we're here to celebrate old and new Worcester. Mm-hmm. That's one of our major goals for the cultural plan. We're looking at public space, creative space activation. We're looking at equity and engagement and belonging. That belonging component is really critical to me. Youth education, family engagement, and creativity and innovation, creative entrepreneurs. Ah. So what do all these goals mean? It means how do we embed art and creativity into everything that the city of Worcester does? Mm, Well, that's fascinating. How do we take over the next 10 years, 92 objectives, that will be met in three-year increments to embed arts in health, embed arts in our streetscape, like our public art initiatives that we're working on, instill and support creative entrepreneurs, such as those who are working at Technocopia mm-hmm. or uh, artists who are also incorporating STEAM, STEM, into mm-hmm. their vision. Looking at new immigrants, how are we being inclusive of all communities so that, as I mentioned earlier, that there's that sense of belonging, that you see yourself in this plan. Where does it fit my need? Mm. As an artist, is there a vehicle for me to, number one, connect with other artists, learn about resources for artists, have a space to show my artwork and or share my artwork, and then finally to create the artwork? Well, there you are. Um, so, what what are some of the immediate goals that you're working on for the in the in the process of enacting the plan? Well, I, I'm not being facetious when I say there are 92 yeah. actual <laughs> outcomes in the next 10 years, and they each of these goals has assigned working groups around it, mm-hmm. and it's not just city that that is leading all of, that. Are, the city is not leading all the initiatives. 
the city is partnering with the Greater Worcester Community Foundation, the mm-hmm. Worcester Culture Coalition, but other partners outside. So when, say, we're talking about access and inclusion, that might include transportation. How are we creatively addressing transportation? How do we wor- work with the WRTA? Mm-hmm. So that's something that's right on our front page right now, thinking about that. The Poets Laureate position. And this one is I, pretty much mission accomplished at this point. It's a checkoff. Excellent. So we are drilling down, looking at ways to make sure that we're being inclusive and addressing the objectives for each of these goals. Mm-hmm. And that we're not taking it upon ourselves to be the ones, when I say we, the city, that it's really the city proper, our mm. community's plan. So this, this plan is a map. It's a roadmap that can detour and change. Of course. And that's really how we're visioning it right now. Other activities uh, that are examples, you see the Worcester pop-up, mm-hmm. uh, an inclusive space. It's been used over 300 times in the last year and a half. In fact, this weekend, there's a showing of hip-hop videos going on there. I wrote a little bit about that. I saw that. Thank you. Yeah. That is a very cool piece, and that grows out of a group of artists who have been with that pop-up since its inception. The Four Element crew. The Four Element, Mark Thomas, who was one of our arts fellows for <laughs> the city of Worcester. Mark also ran the original pop-up before oh. it was even oh. all built out. He and Tina Zlody uh, were the model entrepreneur spirit, entrepreneurial spirits who really helped to shape that. That Excellent. Vision. And that is a really fantastic space that's going on over there. I, I, I'm always really impressed when I wander. Sometimes I'll just wander in and see what's mm-hmm. on the walls mm-hmm. in there, and it's always fun. I really, really like some of the work that's in there. But I'm glad you uh, mentioned the show tomorrow night because that is an example of storytelling and the power of the written word and the visual. Mm, definitely. So it's all about storytelling, and hip-hop is, is poetry. Yeah, well, rap definitely is. I'll get technical for there for a second. <laughs> Hip rap is poetry. Hip hop is culture, as it goes. Okay. I'm going to get cards and letters if right. I don't clarify Thank that. You. I get I get the emails. My people have very specific <laughs> things that I have to get right. So what here? Now I think because I think really sometimes people have this clue. There's there's a lot of misconceptions about what. The role, the city's role, is in arts and the and the arts in the course of city life. I'm trying to articulate that. I know a lot of people will point immediately to the out on the common or out the lunch series on the common or things of the Christmas thing, or and then people will kind of go into the immediately into the um, the big institutional things like Worcester Art Museum and Hanover Theater. And I actually don't feel like you have that much of a I mean, you have a relationship with them, but it's not like you're super invested in them. Well, I mean, we should stipulate that the city has yes. a very formal relationship of 20 years with the Worcester Cultural Coalition. Yes. It started with 12 cultural organizations knocking on the city's doors with their mm-hmm. own agenda. Yeah. They were told to go organize. They did. Spin forward 20 years. We now have over 70-plus organizations from small independent arts groups, Mm -hmm. up to the museums, to the academic institutions. Individual artists are represented through some of our partners, that being Arts Worcester, the Sprinkler Factory, artists that are working in other mediums as well. 
And it really is the role of the city to see this partnership as something that everybody in Worcester owns, Worcester's creative community. And I think sometimes, and, and, and even though this is a thing that we report on a regular basis, I think it is a hard, uh, one of those points you just kind of have to keep hammering on the public sometimes. I, I would think so. And yeah. we have certain expectations of our, our cities mm-hmm. and our governments. Of course. And now more than ever, I see our role as the Cultural Development Office and the Cultural Coalition is to be catalysts. We are catalysts and springboards to give voice and uh, the opportunities for people to express themselves. All right. Well, I think that, yeah. And um, really quick, since we've got just a moment left in this half, um, we talked briefly last week or the week before about the um, Cultural Coalition grants, but can you tell us a little bit about who was chosen in the grants this year? And Are you talking about the Worcester Arts Council? Worcester Arts Council grants, yes. Well, I just happened to have the staff person right Hi. here, Nikki Erskine, extraordinaire, our communications person, but she's also managing the Worcester Arts Council program made up of... Uh, volunteers who are appointed by the city manager to allocate funds out to do creative, cool things in Worcester. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with that. Yeah, so they just wrapped up the 2020 grant cycle, and there were 53 awards that went out, over $160,000 awarded Mm. to uh, creative programs and um, a couple of fellows as well. We're actually one of the only cities in Massachusetts that allows... Um, that has fellows. Um, so two $5,000 grants went out to uh, Cyril Vincent, who is a local filmmaker. And, and somebody we had just done a story on a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. that's right. I saw that. Richard Duckett wrote that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then Amanda Gibson, who is a puppeteer. She creates these larger-than-life puppets. I, I think I've seen awesome. her puppets, but I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I have not actually dealt much with. So. You will. Oh, good. You'll I'm see looking more. Forward. I, like, I like puppets. Ask anybody. So I get really I big gonzo puppets at the thing. Yeah, no, I really... <laughs> I'll definitely look into that. Thank you. Definitely. <laughs> um, some of the projects that they, they've had um, have included um, festivals such as the Juneteenth Festival, mm-hmm. um, which celebrates uh, black history. The um, I'm just mentally sorting through the other 51. Uh, there was an interesting one, which was um, artistic therapy for dual diagnosis. So therapy... Um, sorry, art as therapy for mental health, which is pretty incredible. Um, there was there was one involving the Eric Carle Museum. I don't know if you remember the Very Hungry Caterpillar. Indeed, that's Eric yes. Carle, Massachusetts resident. Um, what else did we have? Hmm? Well, we're going to actually take a second here because sure. we're going to take a brief break, and we're while we're. Getting ourselves together, we're going to be listening to the something from the newest album by Jaggery. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. 
pile of desolation into every pore. And from that day on, everything under And we're back. You have been listening to From the Nursery by Jaggery. You can read my new review of their new album in this week's Worcester Magazine. Um, it is an exceptionally beautiful album. I really have just been flat out honest about how much I really love this album. Um, it is. They worked with the composer, and they um, base this entire album is based on a cycle of poems by Jane Kenyon. Um, great late. Um, passed away poet many years ago, but beautiful, beautiful, deeply disturbing work. And I should stop waxing poetic and talk about poetry <laughs> and other art forms, shouldn't I? All right. I am still here in the studio with Nikki Erskine. Um, Erin Williams has departed us because she actually has things to do, unlike me. Evidently, me, yeah. Apparently. Evidently, I, I <laughs> evidently I have enough time to hang out in a podcast booth with people. It's you know, sure. <laughs> Sure. This is my job. 
No, no, no. This is this is work. This is fun. And we are talking about art in the city of Worcester. We are. And this is the fun part of our jobs when we get away from the computer and actually get to have conversations. I know. It, isn't it great? It is. You know, sometimes you for, really, it's easy to, it's like you could do so much of your job these days without actually Talking to people. another human? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I go days without actually having to actually, I don't even, even do when I do interviews and stories, mm-hmm. I'm half the time I'm doing it over the phone or over the computer. Yeah. I feel like I had to twist your arm to do the Poets Laureate interview in person. I was very reluctant, not because of them, but I knew how much time it would take. Mm-hmm. And I was reluctant to put that amount of time into my schedule in a short period of time, <laughs> short window. I can understand that, but um, honestly, I'm so glad I did this it. article came out awesome. Thank you so, so much. So I think it was worth it. Thank you very, very Thank much. Thank you. Yeah, so what we did, um, we last in the last segment, we were talking a little bit about the Arts Council grants, and um, do you, you want to catch us up on a few more highlights from, before we move on? Sure. Uh, so in addition to the fellows, um, like I said, there are 51 other folks um, who successfully won grants. Um, there are some which are focused on, uh, rehabilitation or therapy using art as therapy. One of which is a creative movement class for people with disabilities. Mm. Um, there's also a, let's see, uh, there's a, there's a jazz festival. The, um, WCCA runs a jazz festival that, that got funded as did a jazz 101 class over at WICN. Oh, WICN. Okay. Uh, Them as well. All right. Yeah. So a couple jazz items this year. Uh, oh, that's right. WCCA does the one in um in Shrewsbury Street on Christopher mm-hmm. Columbus Park. Yeah, they had their first one last year. And now, yeah, it seemed to have gone well enough that they're back for another. Indeed. So now we now the city has gone from no jazz festivals to two. There's two now. Yep. Because yeah. the other one is in the, October, uh, I believe, and the, it's on the, the jazz common. Sun, uh, there's the, oh, there's oh, that. That, that. There's makes three. three. <laughs> <laughs> we are now at three jazz festivals. So much jazz. We have more jazz festivals than we do movie theaters. Wow. Think about that. We have more movie festivals than we have movie theaters in the city proper. Yeah, you're right. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but it is. I actually kind of do know why that is. But but yeah, it's... <laughs> well, no, it's because a lot of things, when, when the company that owned the Hanover sold it, there was a contract that they wouldn't be uh, showcase cinemas. The, country, the company that owned showcase cinemas, I believe, at the time, mm-hmm. had a contract that they wouldn't... When they couldn't put something that would compete directly with that movie theater. Oh. And then, so that left the only movie theater in town being the Paris Cinemas, which for a while was mm-hmm. a legitimate movie theater in its heyday. Um, it went on to much more colorful fare by the end. <laughs> and now it's a beer garden. But I get in trouble every time I talk about the beer garden, so we're going to talk about art. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so one of the things that's really interesting me about the cultural plan is this... Um, telling the city's story. That's mm-hmm. one, of, one of the actual bullet points mm-hmm. on it. And can you tell me a little bit in your own words what that means? Yeah, so um, where my primary role with the Cultural Development Division as well as the Worcester Cultural Coalition is marketing and communications, um, I really work a lot with the telling the city story part of it. Um, so I think there have been a lot of voices which have been amplified not just in the city, but nationally, there's a lot of voices which haven't yet had a chance to have that kind of amplification. So something where I'm really excited about um, the poets, these poets specifically, Juan and Amina, is that we haven't heard a lot of these stories 
put out there in public and celebrated. Uh, Juan, who immigrated here from the Dominican Republic and really built himself up from uh, being a janitor at Yankee Stadium to the poet laureate for the second largest city in New England. That's, That's pretty incredible. That's a pretty big deal, yeah. And then Amina, who grew up in um, here in Worcester with uh, parents who were immigrants, and she had she has had a life for Indeed. for 18 years old. I, I can't believe I, how I, much I, she's gone I through. I really had to undersell a lot of her story I in know. this article just because... I only had so much space, and mm-hmm. the space. This article was so long that it could not have run in the daily paper. <laughs> I mean, it literally that was a conversation at one point, and the decision was that mm-hmm. even cutting that and that much of it, enough of it to make it fit, probably would not <laughs> it would yeah. have damaged the story at this point. Right. I mean, it it really There's, was a short story. The amount of what they were willing and able to open up and share. Yeah. I mean, that was the second time that I had been in a room with both of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they both were opening up about their pasts and um, also talking about how excited they were for this opportunity. Um, that was the second time I've ever cried in a meeting. And the first time was <laughs> the first time I met them. Um, <laughs> but there was one point during that interview where I remember looking around the room and we were all wiping our eyes as one of the poets was was talking about their struggle mm. that just they're they're so captivating they're so they're both so brilliantly able to share their emotion in a way that just for me anyway it just grabs my soul in a way that the poetry that I studied went in you know middle school high school sure. it never grabbed me that way so mm. it's it's just been really powerful getting to know them and realizing more thorough of the spoken word and how valuable it is amplifying all these other voices. Well, it is so funny, too, because there's a fairly... I, I was saying earlier that, you know, there's not a poetry slam, at least for adults, a formal one in the city anymore because there's not a national poetry slam finals anymore. Um, so sometimes there's like, you know, the Dirty Ralphs will mm-hmm. do something once in a while. They'll send somebody... Like, I think they still try to send somebody to the Women of the World um, all-female poetry slam, but not this year. I know they're not this year, but hmm. Providence is. Yeah, so I'm getting inside baseball again. <laughs> but um, Youth Poetry Slam has been, always been very strong here mm-hmm. um, and throughout Massachusetts. And one mm-hmm. of the principal organizers is Alex, Alex. Beatties, mm-hmm. who both runs the reading at the Dirty Jaren at Ralph's Rock Diner and was on the search committee for the Poets Laureate here. Mm-hmm. Don't forget um, Mass Leap. Yeah, and you know, one of the organizers of Mass Leap. And he is he he has been very involved in this youth poetry mu- movement. Mm-hmm. And it is a it is a f- real presence in the city. You know, a number of uh, university campus school I think is the one that's really big involved in it. But there's a few um, that's always sent people to the state competition and such. Hmm. But it struck me that even that was not something that that was extant in her in Amina's world. That wasn't involved in her schools. Mm. Um, so this thing that I think is huge when I'm looking at it objectively, mm-hmm. it hadn't reached that far yet. Youth, the youth poetry slam movement hadn't hadn't reached to that those schools yet in Maine South, mm. and that struck me as kind of a wake up call. Actually, right, it really did. I found that really it should have been there, right, and it- I, there's nobody's fault. But the fact that we could have very easily lost this very, if aside from the weird random lottery that this of this 
happening, the poetry, Youth Poets Laureate thing popping up right now. We very came very close to losing it, but it's striking me already as a very important young poet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nothing there it's, to it's find interesting. that or to catch that. It's interesting because Worcester is such a diverse city and it's tough to reach all of these different pockets that exist. Like yeah. if you're not in a group, you might not even know about them. Um, I mean, I'm one of the directors of Start on the Street. We've been around, we're coming up on our 18th festival this September. Every year, there are still people who come up to me and they're like, what is this? I've never heard of this. Why don't more people know about it? And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> um, but because there's 40,000 people here. That's why. Right. Like 40,000 40, other people knew about it. Like, ma'am. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just funny. Like as much as you think you get the word out there and you just say start and people don't even need to hear on the street. Like mm. they just know it. There's so many others who don't know about it. So in that, in that same light, the Poet Laureate search was the same challenge. Out to Lunch is the same challenge. Worcester Arts Council grants are the same challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's so many people who, uh, there's so many programs, ways to get involved, funds available that people just don't know about. And for me, that's also kind of a focus of this cultural plan is figuring out how we can collectively do a better job at getting the people of the city in touch with all the resources that are actually available to them. And there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there really are. There's a lot of things happening here, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of opportunities. Um, if you were, listen, I'm, I'm throwing this out randomly. We have not planned or discussed this part of the conversation. Um, if you were an artist in Worcester, mm-hmm. and this is you're hearing this on Unity Radio right now, you're one of our twelve listeners on <laughs> Unity Radio. Manny loves it when I say that, um, and. <laughs> And you're hearing us and saying, well, how do I get a grant or how do I get involved with any of this? What what advice would you give them? Where would they start? I would say the first step would probably be to visit WorcesterCulture.org. Uh, this is an unintentional plug, but yeah. um, on WorcesterCulture.org, which is the Worcester Cultural Coalition's website, there is a tab uh, for creative opportunities. And everything on that page is places to have a gallery opening, places to exhibit your exhibit your work. Um, if you want to try a new skill, there are a variety of um, hands-on places around the city to, um, like maker spaces, the Worcester Center for Crafts, like these sorts of things, mm-hmm. um, where you can do that. But then there's also funding opportunities where you can find out about Arts Council grants, um, some national grants, more local grants, regional ones. This money exists, and a lot of times it just ends up, it can end up unspent because if there's no one to apply for it, and if, you have no one to give it to. And with the way those grants go, <laughs> that you can't carry them over. Usually, mm-hmm. they have to get given back, basically. Right, and I'm sure there's there's even more that I just don't know about as well. Um, so, if anybody hears of anything more, I'd love to add it to the website and let more people know about it. I'm sure people. <laughs> I, I I'm sure that if there's somebody out there, they will want you to. T- they will want to tell you. <laughs> tell me about your money. Yeah, tell us, please, <laughs> please do tell us about your money. I'm in journalism. I need to know about money, <laughs> but um. No, um, but yeah, it is a very strange. It's a very, t- it's a very odd time. I, it feels, and this is, I, I'm going to get a little inside poetry baseball here again, but um, poetry ball. Um, it really is a weird time in poetry right now because it kind of feels like a lot of the national infrastructure is breaking up a little for it. You know, with Poetry Slam is kind of dif- kind of diffusing now, and you know everything's moving back into academia, which is a thing. Um, and so, 
it's really interesting. I, which is one of the, part of the reasons I found this poets laureate program so exciting. Mm-hmm. It, it it feels well timed. I don't know if I mean I obviously I know I know way more about how like the like ins and out of the national poetry scene than most people. So I know that like that couldn't have been a plan because it just couldn't have, <laughs> nobody else really thinks like that. But um, Alex maybe. Um, but yeah, the, um, but yeah, I found this, this very well-timed hmm. and what do you hope to come out of it? I mean, in the long term of reestablishing a poet laureate, reestablishing, you know, establishing for the first time a youth poet laureate, mm-hmm. which, you know, not, even Boston doesn't have one yet. Mm, so Boston, they, they do. you're on notice. They do. They do now? F- fact. Uh, Worcester, was... Worcester beat Boston to the punch in announcing the Poet Laureate by days, if not weeks. Um, so right now we have a Worcester Poet Laureate, we have a Boston Poet Laureate, and the National, I'm sorry, Worcester Youth Poet Laureate, Boston Youth Poet Laureate, and actually the National Youth Poet Laureate goes to school at Harvard. Wow. I'm not, I did not even I'm know. I'm not saying we're thinking about doing anything with that information, but... I think there could be something going on there. I think... <laughs> We'll see. Stay tuned. <laughs> but, there, that, but no, I actually had that as news to me. I didn't actually, because hmm. when, when we report it, again, facts do happen after I report the story. <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't just stop once you no, get the article? No, it doesn't. It huh. doesn't. And you know, <laughs> change frightens and confuses people. No, I, but that is actually news to me that, uh, that, um, that there are other yes, poet it, laureates that happened if, after Worcester. Three <laughs> young women poets, poets laureate. Poets laureate. Yes. Yep. Yeah. No, I we I double checked that in the stop book. Yeah, it's poets laureate. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yep. Um like attorneys general. I know that's the same one that it's always weird to me too. Mothers in law. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that you have to pluralize that. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's the year two no, I, I I've 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 been in one marriage for twenty years, so <laughs> I don't have multiple mothers in law. But they could have like a book club. But absolutely. All the mothers-in-law are in a mothers-in-law book club. Mothers-in-law book club. I don't know. <laughs> really, son in law This is why you. we're a shoddy podcast. <laughs> I think we're crushing it. <laughs> but what do you want? What, so, so there was a question that you had that yeah. I did have a couple thoughts on. Um, I, I remember what do you like was. to see come out of this yeah. program? So um, the part of their charge as poets, laureate, is to come up with a certain number of poems each year. One should, at least one should be about Worcester at... Yeah. Um, like, what is your Worcester at this point in time? Mm. Um, but the rest can be more general experience, um, whatever inspires you. Um, and then we'll we'll be collecting all of these various Worcester stories and just stories about life in Worcester um, over the course of their their tenure here. But the Poets Laureate program is only part of that this overall cultural plan. And a phrase that gets tossed around our office a lot is that the arts are not just nice, they're yeah. necessary. Yes. And I've thought a lot about this. Um, it's probably one of those thoughts I have like while falling asleep at night. Um, but working in City Hall, you know, it's it's a lot of red tape. It's a lot of like bureaucracy. Sure. And the majority of that, in my experience, um, the nine months I've been working at City Hall, um, it's been that most of the other departments are focused on how you live in a city. So, you know, does your plumbing work? Are the roads uh, plowed? 
are the roads finished? Yeah. Um, you know, do you have permits? Do you have police? Do you have all of these other um, things that make it possible to live in a geographic area? What the Cultural Development Division does is make it worth living in an area. So, you know, it's, it's all well and good if I have heat and a place to park my car and a way to get to a job. But why do I care about one place over another? And with all of the different, as Aaron said, the 90 some odd points that we have laid out in this plan, it's to make Worcester overall more attractive, more, more engaging, more stick in your heart to make it just a place where you can see yourself, not just existing, but living. And this is the thing that I really, really feel when we're having these conversations about development, and I'm not going to put you on the, on the spot on the spot for development (laughs) by all means. But, but when we're having these conversations, this is a piece that gets left out Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. We're talking about Polar Park and we're talking about TIFFs and we're talking about traffic and Lord knows we're talking about traffic. <laughs> and, and but we're, I mean, getting we're more talking, fun every day. We're talking about gentrification. We're talking about all of these mm-hmm. things. And I find this cultural plan more assertive than I've seen similar programs mm-hmm. in other parts of the country. And that is something I find interesting. And it's actually one of the things that actually kind of gives me hope that we might actually survive this whole process. Right. Yeah. You know, that it's not that it's not going to be dropped the moment in favor of a Chipotle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm all for a good burrito, but um Then you don't yeah, want to know. <laughs> Did they advertise with us? I don't know. <laughs> um yeah, so what what I think is really interesting about the fact that we have this plan and the fact that we have it now is that it's it's the city putting its money where its mouth is and saying, you know what? Yeah, the arts aren't just nice. They are necessary to really getting Worcester on a map, not just on a map of Worcester County, but the map of New England, the map of America. Well, and this is an interesting time because, you know, we're seeing artists float this way from from being priced out of Metro mm-hmm. West, being pressed out of Somerville and Cambridge. Um, we're seeing venues closing at a rapid rate over in Boston. Even mm-hmm. even more, we're seeing it here too. Mm-hmm. But but um, what we're seeing is you know people saying, well, maybe I can play more in Worcester. Mm-hmm. I uh, can't tell you. I feel like more and more I'm seeing people from New York, mm-hmm. like from the city coming up here. And I mean, I lived in New York for a couple of years. It felt like a place that already had roots like yeah. all all the all the dirt was taken there was nowhere else to put down roots which is why i ended up coming back to worcester because we're not we're not as finalized you can still make your mark here oh yeah you can still have a huge impact here and, and tell you a secret um about when you're playing with new york or boston and i you know i know this as a touring poet um you don't really make money in those places hmm. eh, there's one gig in boston you can make money as a poet at but for the most part and it's like between between pay for play and expenses mm-hmm. and just jaded audiences, you don't always make a lot of money at some of these things unless you're one of the really big acts. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually make more money at some gigs here in Worcester just because the expenses are so much lower. Interesting. Now, hopefully, that will stay the ca- <laughs> stay the case. Is this wood? <laughs> that is, um, it might be artificial wood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I knock it um, anyway. But um, yeah, so but yeah, so it's like a lot of touring poets. I would I would know 
would do the gigs in you know New York to make noise, but money mm-hmm. doesn't leave New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't. And you'd come to Worcester, and you're making a pretty good hat, mm. which is worth it. And you're usually getting fed or something and put up, so mm-hmm. you know your expenses are stupidly low. This is, you know, this is that's the, so what happens. These bigger cities are like the resume builder in a lot something? of ways. Yeah, hmm. yeah. You go to New York. You you go to the big cities to make noise. You may go to the you know, and and noise does travel from them. Mm-hmm. Don't, do not under, mis, do, do not get that twisted. That they. If you're a band that playing in New York, if you make a big, in, if you make an impact in New York, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Downside: if you make if you're a band and make an impact in Worcester, <laughs> a few people know. Right. <laughs> you might have made, might have you know had a good night. Might have sold a few CDs. Might have yeah made mm-hmm. might have made some money at the door. Grabbed a few followers. Yeah, picked up a few followers, but you didn't make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. That's the trade-off. Right. But. Yeah, so if you're in New York, you might you might have lost money on the gig, but everybody in the country knows who you are now. Right. So case. is part <laughs> of that developing is part of changing that making Worcester more of that recognizable hub for creative culture. Is that that is the hope. Is that that's how, the hope. That's what Worcester is and that's what everybody I think is always afraid to ha- lose. Mhm. Because most of the arts groups and organizations here, they happen rather organically. They, mm-hmm. you know, you know, start on the street. It's always the the, the great example. Mm-hmm. I always use that as the the like sort of the ultimate example of bottom up, right? You know, just bootstraps and go and you know make it work and you know ever you know make you know not something that was imposed by a corporation or the city or something whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. It's earned its it's earned its um, <laughs> <laughs> reputation and its audience, but oh, yeah, but um, but yeah, and that's that. This is an environment that can foster so, those sorts of things, mm. and I think there's always that sort of fear of losing that. Mm. So you're you're kind of touching on a couple things, which are making me think about um, a couple bigger picture items. So, you know, we are lucky in Worcester to have so many organic. Um, organizations, schools, festivals, so on and so forth. But, um, you know, if we all just exist in our own bubble, then we're not actually doing the overall Worcester any favors. So I think that's where the cultural coalition became so important because it was, okay, we have such a common goal between our various organizations. Let's do something to kind of unify our voices and do something that works for, for all of us in mass. And how are we doing that? I think that's where this cultural plan comes in because there are parts of it that are good for the poets. There are parts of it that are good for, um, for transportation. There are parts of it that are good for students. But by building all of this up together in a more cohesive way, that's how Worcester overall, even if you're not in the arts community in any way, that's how we benefit not just for the city but for the region. All right. And that sounds like a pretty good note to wrap things up on. <laughs> Um, really quick before we go, I'd just like to make a plug. I will be reading poetry since we've been talking about poetry all day. Yeah, you uh, will. I'll be reading poetry Sunday at um, Nick's. Listen at Nick's Bar and Restaurant. Now, I I understand I'm up against the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> so if if 
you are a person that actually does not care about Kansas City or San Francisco, then you can come to see me. It'll be all fine. If you don't, I understand. I still love you. Anyways, you have been listening to Worcester Culture Watch. As always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. We'll be back again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.